everybody. Welcome back. This is David and Libby, and you are listening to Trash to Treasure with Jupiter Jane. And this is Dave. And this is Libby. And we are collectively um, Jupiter Jane. And I'm the prettier part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will concede that. Okay, cool. Okay, so uh, this week we're going to do our usual. We're going to answer some questions. We're going to talk about some stuff that we bought and sold, and then we will get to the topic of the day. So let's see. Uh, this week, um, I, I had some other questions planned, but current events have kind of um, sidetracked what I was originally going to talk about. So, oh yeah, we also want to give a shout out to some of our new listeners. So we've noticed that we've got, uh, I, I, I pay a lot of attention to our analytics, our, um, our yeah. podcast analytics. He's kind of like crazy that way. Oh, well, I, I call it thorough. But anyway, <laughs> um, so this week I noticed we've got some listeners in Annapolis, Maryland. So that's pretty cool. I've actually been to Annapolis many years ago. We've got listeners in Jackson, Tennessee that just showed up on our analytics and Brown's Plains in Queensland, Australia. So I hope you're listening. If you are, um, yeah, you know, welcome. I mean, I'm not sure what we can offer, but gosh, hello. Yeah, absolutely. That's very cool. So, uh, you know, send us a, send us an email sometime and tell us your story because I would love to hear it. And then we've got listeners, new listeners in Concord, New Hampshire. Is that where the grapes are from? I think it is. Con okay. Concord grapes, that would make sense. Yeah, welcome Concord. Yes. Okay, so this week's questions. Um, the first one, uh, ripped straight from the headlines. Will the coronavirus affect eBay sales? And I felt like after you said ripped from the headlines, we should have had that bum, bum, bum. Or, you know that? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do. What yeah. show is that? I don't know. Some kind of, but like, um, it's like CSI, CSI or, or something. Or, yeah. yeah. Ripped from the headlines. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. Okay. So, um, yes. The it answer is. to that question is yes. I think it's, I think this will definitely affect eBay sales. I think the real question is not if, if, the coronavirus outbreak will affect eBay sales. I think the question is how. And I don't think there's any good way to answer that, to be honest. I think that there are um, a couple possibilities. One possibility is that maybe people will stay home and they won't want to go out and shop and maybe they'll shop more online and that could only help. Well, and I think, but I mean, then you've got the crazy conspiracy theory people who say, like I posted for that I wanted... Um, more bubble packing, wrap. Packing material, And yeah. somebody commented and said, make sure it's not from China. Like, oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah. So here's the thing, people, is that, um, you know, this is like basic science stuff. This is like high school science stuff. Viruses aren't going to, like, live on packing material for a, the week that it takes to get from, like, China to here on a boat. Mm-mm. Um, that's just not a thing. It kind of reminds me of like back in the AIDS epidemic when people thought you could get AIDS from like sitting on a toilet seat or something. Yeah. It's getting kind of out of hand. It is. It, it really is. And and I don't I could see it going uh, yeah, you it, know, I can see it going many different ways. You know, people are hunkering down and not going out and ordering online or Or the, maybe they're afraid to spend money and maybe they don't spend money at all. Right. So, I, you know, I, there's an, not a good answer to this. And I think it's just one of those things that we have to ride out. This is one of the reasons why, one of many reasons. And, I, and again, there's no, there's no absolute right way to do this, this eBay thing. 
But it's one of the reasons why we d- didn't put all, all our eggs in one basket and why we've always been hesitant to, like, you know, quit our jobs and go all in on, on a venture like this. Um, we are lucky, Libby and I are very lucky, mm-hmm. that we work for a place that is particularly stable. It's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. Right, and can, we can both work from home remotely if we have to. Yeah, we're both set up to work from home. Uh, my job, uh, I, do, I do web work. My job is all based online. And so I'm, I'm, it's a cush job. I'm super lucky. I can do it from home if I want to. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have uh, a huge incentive to like dump all that to, to do the eBay thing full time. That's why we don't. That's why we do it part time. We still consider our efforts to be kind of like full time efforts because we spend a lot of time, a lot of time doing eBay sales mm-hmm. and, and sourcing and that kind of thing. So I could see where it could. People can make it a full time job. Well, yeah, well, wow. I mean, well, yeah, lots of people do. Lots of people yeah. do do the the eBay thing full time. A lot of podcasts we listen to; those podcasters yeah. are people that who who do it full time. But that's the reason why we don't is because um, too many unknowns for us. Too many unknowns for us, and like I said, we are extremely lucky that we have mm-hmm. the, the kind of jobs that we have where um, we we could work from home if we wanted to, and yeah. So it's. I wish I had a better answer. You know, uh, I would, I would remind people that anything I say from this point on, we're not medical professionals. You no. know, so this is just my gut feeling, and it doesn't substitute like advice from a, a true medical professional. But I, I will say that right now, um, you know, evidence points to that this is not going to be like some um, hugely devastating epidemic. I don't believe so far. Um, the mortality rate is hard to pin down. Um, you, I, you see a lot of numbers out there, a lot of scary numbers. You know, people are saying like three or four or 5%. There is no accurate number. And the reason why is because no one knows for sure how many cases there are, because a lot of times people will get, will get this virus and they will think they have a cold or they won't show any symptoms at all. Is that called asymptomatic? Yeah, asymptomatic. And so it makes it really impossible to know exactly how Mm -hmm. many cases there are. So until you know that, there's no way to know exactly what the mortality rate is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just a bunch of unknowns. And I mean, as far as affecting eBay sales, I mean, I don't, we've not really. It hasn't hit us yet. We've, we've had a pretty, pretty really, really good last few weeks. Um, so it, it hasn't hit us yet. I'm I'm waiting, waiting for the shoe to drop. So we'll see. But you're always waiting for the. I'm shoe always to waiting. Drop. For, I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah, I'm a nervous Nelly. <laughs> but I mean, like just this past weekend, we were out thrifting and yeah. huge crowds. And uh, I mean, we saw at that last our last stop, we saw a lady wearing a mask. Um, Which I, mean, I would uh, let you know doesn't actually do any good. I don't a, know. a mask. A mask can help, you know, can help you from spreading it to someone else, but it probably won't help you, you know, from getting it. I'm getting one for our plane trip. Okay. Yeah, we're we're going on a trip pretty soon, and um, so Libby's concerned about getting on a plane. Well, it's just recirculated air. Yeah, I mean, it's true. We'll see. I don't know. I'm an, You'll get sick, and I won't, and I'll be ha-ha-ha. <laughs> you will, too. I'll be mean to you, you when Yep, that's how it usually goes. Usually, usually she gets it. She gives it to me, and I get it twenty times worse. You do. Uh, okay. Okay. So, so there's that. Um, yeah, there's just no good answer there. So, 
We'll, I don't know. We'll, it's, we're going to take a wait and see attitude, and we're going to keep listing, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll keep selling, and we'll see how it goes. Yep. Okay. Um, next question is: I uh, this, this uh, person was posting on a forum today and said, "I have read bad things about Goodwill. Is it ethical to shop there for reselling?" Hmm. Why would it not? I mean, they don't care who they sell to. Well, I think the point is, is that um, if a company does something that you don't agree with socially or politically or whatever, if you buy from them, aren't you just enabling that behavior? I think I think that's the point they're trying to make. Here's the thing. Um, without passing judgment on goodwill one way or the other, um, if I avoided every business mm-hmm. that had an issue, you know. That you didn't agree with. The, that I didn't agree with, you know. Um, Every, every company that treated employees badly or every company that was bad for the environment, there would be no place left to shop. Right. Because that's pretty much about every big company now. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I can't, I'm not going to exclude, you know, uh, a revenue source because of that. Because like I said, there wouldn't be any place left well, to shop. I think maybe in the case of Goodwill, the good outweighs the bad because they do do, they do good programming. If you, if you look at the... Um, organizations online that rate nonprofits, Goodwill is always right up at the top. Mm-hmm. Usually they have a very high score, usually like an A or A plus score. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what this particular person was talking about, what particular incident they were talking about. There has been some scandal in Goodwill's past for sure. Uh, things having to do with like CEO salaries and stuff like that. They may have been talking about something else. I don't know. But like I said, if, if I had to cut out every business that had questionable practices, there wouldn't be anything left. Right. The other thing about this issue is, and and this is the kind of the lens that I look at, at this through, about 80% of the stuff that gets donated to thrift stores never even makes it on the floor. Yep. Overall. That, that is the statistic. So about 80% of the stuff, and this is, this is particularly true for clothes, not necessarily hard goods, but it is most definitely true for clothes that about 80% of what gets donated to thrift stores um, doesn't actually end up in the floor. It ends up on a ship and it goes to a foreign country. It gets turned into rags. It gets turned into insulation or it gets in a landfill. Or it goes to the bins. Well, yeah, I'm talking about even after the bins. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people who go to the bins, they probably wonder, you know, what happens to this stuff? Because, you know, the bins are the end of the line. The Goodwill bins, that's it. Once it gets there, if if nobody buys it, it probably ends up in a landfill. So if I take something out of a thrift store and I put it on eBay, I'm giving it an audience of potentially thousands or hundreds of thousands where, you know, it might have only been seen by a few hundred people tops, right? Mm -hmm. So I am increasing the odds that that thing ends up in the hands of someone who wants and needs it. And, right. to, and to me, that's a good thing. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still contributing to programs that help people, and um, I'm keeping stuff out of landfills. I'm making somebody else happy who needed that item, you know? So, And if we make a profit on it, that's okay. Well, I mean, and that is also the point. You know, we are we are definitely committed to, to keeping things out of landfills, but we, we also do this to make money. That's the bottom line. We do this to make money. So, yes. so yeah, I, I personally don't have a problem with buying stuff from... Well, I saw something on one of the Facebook eBay groups and and like his mother-in-law said that just the whole reselling thing wasn't 
you know, moral or whatever. And I just, I don't know. I don't understand that. Yeah. There are people that have issues with reselling and I'm, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. If somebody has some insight in this and you want to drop us a line, Absolutely. we'll talk about that on a future episode. So it would be, if you want to drop us a line, it would be Jupiter Jane, J-A-Y-N-E. So JupiterJane66 at gmail.com. So if you have any insight on that particular topic, let us know. But yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. Next up. So um, let's see. Cool things we sourced this week. And we actually took a really cool sourcing trip. We went to St. Louis, Missouri. Long drive. Long drive. And it was worth it. We went to a huge flea market, outdoor flea market. The weather was it, great. It we was, were kind of worried because it was it started out really cold that morning. It was like in the twenties. It was outdoor. <laughs> it was uh, by the Eureka County, Missouri Chamber of Commerce. They this is the thirteenth annual or was the thirteenth annual Swap Meat Flea Market. This place, the the flea market opened at seven a.m. Our goal was to get there at 7 a.m. when it opened, and we didn't quite make it. We overslept a tiny bit, but we got there, like, by 8. We were there oh, by yeah. 8 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, And so it ran from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., and let me tell you what, we could have stayed the whole time. Well, and to get in, the, it was held at the Six Flags yeah, it was Amusement held Park. In their parking lot. Um, because they open in two weeks, and they always hold it, like, the last weekend of February I guess last year it snowed. This year was gorgeous, but the line to get in and park. Yeah, it took us. It took uh, us like twenty I don't know, minutes, twenty minutes, half an hour to actually get parked, which drives me crazy. Oh man, my I god, it's unbearable. <laughs> she means I'm unbearable. Yes, he's um, unbearable. because I just can't stand like all. You I can s- see the good stuff, just like right over there, and he's and, and I know the car, and I know everybody is buying it right out from under me, and he. It's just oh, my, and I, hate I just it. can't tell you how frustrating it is. Yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst part. Every time I go to a flea market, is is waiting to park because people are so slow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But so. anyway, it was amazing. There were two, like the two rows of car parts and then like 20 rows of, of good flea stuff. market stuff. And, and then a row of um, food trucks that were really cool. It was just, it was a really cool event. How many vendors? I think it was like. They said 500, but there were way more than 500 it seemed, vendors. It seemed like there were more. I'll, I'll put it this way. We go to a lot of flea markets where, and they always advertise the vendor count. Mm-hmm. I always ask the vendor count. And we've been to some where they swore up and down there were 600 vendors. And this is one of the biggest ones we've ever been to. So yeah. somebody is somebody is not telling the truth. Either right. this place was undercounting or some other places have been well, over. I think St. Louis, the end of February is a crapshoot. Right. Weather-wise, you just never know. And so I think they like to average around 500 this weekend. They probably exceeded it, I imagine, in the past where... Like last year, they were predicting snow. They, you know. Probably got way less. Yeah, but it was. But I'll tell you what, we'll go in the snow. We have. We have and we will. It doesn't slow us down. I don't want to go in the snow. (laughs) Well, we do anyway. No. Well, we have. No, we went in the rain, not in the snow. Well, it was practically snow. It was really cold. Anyway, the last weekend in February, if you're anywhere near St. Louis... Definitely, yeah, definitely check it out because we got we, we got some, some cool stuff. Got some cool stuff. I got a. Um, I was actually overwhelmed. There was so much. Yeah, Libby kind of shut down because there was just so much to look at. It was really hard to process it all. And then to like look at these, you know, booths and these tables and pick out something to try to look up 
to chart. I didn't. I didn't even try to like look things up. I just looked for you know cool, unique stuff, and I found uh, a couple of these vintage um, games. One was like a, a ten like Marks type toy. I don't think it was actually made by Marks, but it was a target shooting game that's a, that was about um, three feet long. And then I found another similar game that where you uh, shoot marbles into a trap. And it was also about three feet long. And I, those were the very first things I bought. And I was carrying those dumb things around it's for the first... It's kind of like when we went to Disneyland. The first thing you bought was a pirate flag. Yeah, and I poked everybody in the eye with the yeah, whole day. Yeah, the whole day. Yeah, I put it in my backpack. and Anyway, <laughs> so so I bought these two games and got a really good deal on them. Ten bucks a piece. They're vintage. And uh, tried carrying them around for like the first hour. And it was it was just miserable. So I ran them back out to the car, which I also hated because, again, I felt like I was missing out on good stuff. But um, what else did we find? We found... There. Mm. You got that a lot right? of hockey stuff and a lot of hockey stuff. Yeah, because if you're a the hockey fan. St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. Last year. Last yep. year. So there was tons of... Tons of hockey memorabilia. <laughs> um, what else did we find? We, you found that cool like leather-looking football helmet. Yeah, it was uh, the... The San Diego Chargers, and it looks like an old vintage helmet, leather, faux leather, um, and it was comping out at about thirty-five bucks, and I paid five. Mm-hmm. I got that, and I got, I got a couple of vintage handheld electronic golf games. I got a whole stack of vintage um, HO scale train cars, really mm-hmm. cheap. I got some bear. Is it how do you say it? bear grills? Yeah. He's, he, Pants. Yeah, Bear Girls pants. From I, mean, I got Bear Girls pants. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got. You probably should give those back. <laughs> Shut up. I got a it, from his clothing line. They're called Craig Hoppers. Oh. So well, when they make a lot of money, you'll laugh. Then. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so it was a pretty good trip. We also stopped at. Um, de- we went downtown St. Louis. We actually went up in the Arch. That was cool. <laughs> Oh my God! Never do it again. <laughs> yeah, it was it uh, probably be a one time thing for us. I don't know. I don't know if we would do it again or not. We um, we both act so brave. Then we get off of it, and we're we're both like, Oh my God! I would never do that again. I'm like, Then why did we do it in the first place? Because we, it was there. We had to. We had to do it at least once. But <clears throat> if you've if you've never been in the St. Louis Arch, um, you get into this little capsule, and you're shoulder to shoulder, knee to knee with. And there's five people. Yeah, they 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 squish five people into a capsule. It's big enough for maybe two. And I'm five five, and I I'm six foot. And I had to. Yeah, definitely had to hunker down. Um, it, fortunately, it only takes about four minutes to get to the top. Longest four minutes of my life. It was yeah, it was kind of it was a little scary, not too scary. Well, I, I was, was mostly concerned about like if it got stuck, what what I would do because I would right. probably like lose my mind. If it I got would stuck. just yeah, I would just stand up and start ripping my clothes off because there was no <laughs> air moving. I was dying. But it was it was definitely worth doing one time. It was a very cool view up there. Mm-hmm. So we did that. We, uh, we went up to the St. Louis Arch and then we went to the bins. We went to the found a Saint, downtown St. Louis. It was their goodwill outlet it was really big it was very big and not a lot of people there so that was kind of cool because usually the bins we go to we go to bins all over we've been to bins in louisville kentucky and indianapolis indiana and all all over the midwest and a lot of times the bins we go to it's just like elbow to elbow this was seven o'clock at night this was seven o'clock on a saturday so maybe people had better things to do i don't know but still it seemed like it was pretty i i think we were there with maybe 10 other people maybe 
So it was a good Ben's trip. Found, mm-hmm. found a lot of good stuff there, we found too. found a fur, uh, that fur vest. Yeah, I found a fur vest. We found a fur collar. Collar. Mm-hmm. Uh, a real leather bomber jacket. Found a leather bomber jacket for, you know, all of it for a buck. So it was a, it was a good haul. Yeah, we'll definitely make our money back on that, yeah, for we'll sure. De- and we'll definitely add St. Louis to our list of places that we go to regularly. Yeah, and we went to a Savers, which I had never been to a Savers. And I see all these people raving about Savers, so we I find a Savers. I was, like, so excited to go there. And evidently, Savers knows the real deal and knows the prices of stuff, because... There was no bargains to be had except... Except I found all kinds of stuff. But I spent, spent most of my time in the toy section. And I, and I found all kinds of things that comped out really well. So I think that... Um, and You know, I've seen this happen before where you go to a thrift store and whoever does the pricing, they, like, they know their stuff on a particular category. Mm-hmm. And they price it accordingly. And the other categories that they don't know as well, eh, you know, it's... Yeah. And uh, so that's what happened in this case. Like whoever was pricing the clothing, they knew what the clothing was worth. They were they were pricing it, you know, eBay prices. Yep. But other stuff, you could find bargains on, and I definitely found bargains in the in the toy category. Yes. So got some toys. Um, a lot of the stuff that we bought this weekend, at least a lot of the stuff I bought this weekend, isn't really practical for eBay. So we actually are going to put it in our. We've got a, a brick and mortar outlet at the local antique mall. And so a lot of stuff I got this weekend is going to go there. Um, we actually just bumped up our space at the a- antique mm-hmm. mall. So we've got a much larger space to fill now. So I'm on the hunt for, for bigger things. It, it's, it's nice to have a space like that where you can, you know, if you find something at a flea market that's really too big for eBay. But it's a great deal. But it's a great deal. You've still got an outlet where you can sell it, you know, mm-hmm. something other than Facebook Marketplace. Because in my experience locally, our Facebook Marketplace isn't that great for selling stuff like that. Yeah. I know other people like rave about the Facebook marketplace, but where we live, it's not that great. It's okay. No, and you get stood out more often than not. So, yeah. All right. Okay. So next up is cool things that sold this week. Hmm. Did we sell anything? Oh, we did. I, I checked. And from last Thursday to today, to today, we sold 14 things. Yeah, which, you know, probably by other people's standard, last Thursday today would be, what, a week? Yeah, exactly. A week. Yeah, so that's probably not very many for most people uh, who do this, like, full-time. Yeah, that only averages out to, like, a couple things a day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I also see in forums where people are saying that they haven't sold anything, like, for, in the last two weeks. For, like, weeks. two weeks, yeah, I'm like... Mm-hmm. And we consistently sell at least a couple things every day. Yeah. So we sold... Um, so I, I don't know how we compare with people who do this like full-time or whatever. I know, you know I was talking to somebody the, the other day that was that typically sells about 11 things a day. But they've got, you know, a thousand things in their store. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I feel like for the, our store size right now... We, we do pretty good. Yeah, we do pretty good. We just bumped up to the, the next bigger store size so we could get more of the... Uh, free listings. Free listings and, and stuff like that. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're growing. We're just every day we try to grow it a little bit more. Yep. Uh, let's see. This week, let's see. We sold a DVD VCR combo that we got at the bins for a dollar. Yep. Sold it for forty five. Forty five. We sold those funky Skechers Bootalicious shoes. Oh yeah, these shoes are. If they had been my size, I would have kept you them. You tried to. I watched you try to get your foot in them. Yeah. Yeah, they were too small for me, but uh, they were called. Buddhalicious, and they had they were they're gold with gold trim. They've got gold sequins and a picture of Buddha on them. 
Yeah, I had a hard time listing them because... Yeah, actually, eBay shot us down for some reason. I think because it mentioned Buddha. Yeah, some... Uh, in the description, and there's something about... Yeah. But other people were... I watched how other people listed them, and I listed ours the same way, and somebody found them and bought them. Yeah. It was because they were unique. I mean, I've never seen anything like right. them. They were really cool. Like I said, I, I would have worn them if, if um, they were my size. And um, it was one of those kind of things where we didn't have time to look up the comps, really, and mm-hmm. so we just bought them. And, and I was guessing they were... At the time, they were worth maybe like 60, 70 bucks. And sometimes... I had seen some sell like that, but without listing Boodalicious. Yeah, it was it was it hard just... to get the price we wanted without actually listing the name. Um, we tried putting them on Poshmark. I really thought they would sell on Poshmark, mm-hmm. but they, they didn't. No. Um, we sold the Lingo Translator. Oh, yeah. we ha- I bought, again, this was out of the bins. It was I, a buck. I found a, a, an electronic, a handheld electronic translator, 26 language tra- translator. And bought it for a dollar. It sold for like almost twenty six. Yeah, almost thirty. I think it was like twenty six ninety nine. Yeah. So almost thirty dollars. And um, that's one of those bolo kind of things. A lot of vintage handheld electronics, like translators, electronic dictionaries, and things yeah, like that. Texas Instrument calculators. Yeah, old Texas Instruments calculators. The scientific calculators. A lot of those are worth money. Mm-hmm. So when you when you see those, they don't seem like they would be worth anything. Um, but when you see those vintage handheld electronics like that, always do Check the comps them out. on them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then um, back, really, when we did start this, you got that Andy Warhol print. Oh, yeah. I bought an Andy Warhol print for $6. $5.40. How can you remember that and you don't know what you had for lunch? Uh, How? Because well, it's money. I, I remember money. How? Oh, my gosh. That is just... Uh. Yeah. yeah, so you paid $5.40 so for, for an Andy Warhol print uh, that was framed, and we sold it for how much? Forty six ninety five plus shipping. Forty six ninety five plus shipping, yeah. So, so made, not a bad Made 40-some bucks on that. So so those are the... So those those are the fun things. I mean, we sold lots of stuff, but those are the fun things we sold this time around. Yeah, a lot of... Uh, we sold some printer toner cartridges and... Yeah, I'm going to be sad when our our toner cartridge supply runs out because that's been a, a good source of of revenue, this, especially when it's been slow for everybody else these yeah. last couple months. Everybody's been complaining about how slow it is, and it's been really steady for us, but we've had a, a cache of toner cartridges and stuff that, that has sold really well. So Yeah. But it's about run dry. Yeah, I think we've about sold them all. Okay, so I think that is all we've got on that topic this week, right? Yeah, that was the cool thing. So now on to our main topic, which is getting started on eBay. And is eBay still the best platform for reselling? And I think we can handle the first half of that question confidently enough. The second half, I don't know that we've been doing enough selling on other platforms to really speak authoritatively about it, mm-hmm. but we're going to try. All right. So... um Getting started on selling on eBay, uh, I've had people ask if it's really necessary to start a store. And I guess it depends. Um, we When we started getting serious about it, I mean, we sold for a little while without opening up a store. But uh, having a store has a lot of benefits. Mm-hmm. Again, if you've been doing this for a while, you know what those benefits are. But for the newbies out there who haven't been doing this... Um, eBay charges a, a listing fee, and then they charge what's called a final value fee, which is a percentage of however much something sells for it. And when you have a store, you get so many um, free listings every month. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of getting started and, and starting a store, I would say uh, I, I have some personal metrics. I would say that once you get to the point where you're headed towards you know, like 100 listings, mm-hmm. I think 
you probably would definitely benefit from a store. I think the the bottom level store, which is called it's called Starter. I think it's called a Starter Store. Mm-hmm. You get like a hundred free listings a month. It's only six or seven dollars a month, I believe. Right, yeah. So when, once you hit that hundred mark, I think you definitely benefit. We were um, lucky though in that. We both already had eBay accounts. Like mine already had six hundred. Right, that is that is something that I was gonna I was going to yeah. mention. Um, well, we're gonna get to that in a second. So, starting an eBay store, um, I would say that you benefit a lot from ramping up as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, because the benefits of going from the starter store to the basic store are considerable. You get. Uh, many more free listings. You also get reduced cost listings. It, it costs thirty cents per listing. If you have a starter store, it's only twenty five cents. If you have a basic store, and then it's twenty five. And then every level, store level up from there on, it's twenty five cents. And it doesn't sound like much, but when you're you know selling lots of stuff and you're selling five, six, seven things a day, it really adds up. So there's a lot to be said for having a store for ramping up quickly. I would definitely recommend it. It's not hard to do. The thing that Libby was getting ready to mention is that if you are new to eBay, if you haven't been on eBay and you're new to eBay, this is um, one area where I, I don't know if other platforms have restrictions on how many things you can sell, but eBay does. So when you, if you're new to eBay and you don't have any feedback yet, they limit you to what, like 10 listings? I don't know. What? I think it's 10. I think they limit you to, to like 10 listings if you're totally new. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky because she and I both have very old accounts going back 20 years, and mm-hmm. we already had a lot of feedback, and so we didn't have to deal with that restriction when we really got started doing this seriously. Mm-hmm. But that is something to keep in mind is that if you are totally new to eBay and you're just getting started as a reseller, they do limit the number of things you can list until you build up some feedback. I, so, I have heard people say you can call and ask them to bump your number yeah, up, you, but you I don't can, know. You can call and ask, and um, really the best thing to do in this situation is to build up some feedback, and it doesn't necessarily have to be as a seller. You can also just buy things and mm-hmm. you know be a good buyer, pay on time, and make sure one of the best ways to get feedback is to leave feedback. So if you are a buyer... And you buy something on eBay, make sure you leave feedback for the seller, leave positive feedback. Chances are they'll leave feedback for you. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way, you know, building up your feedback is a good way to get increases in the number of things that you can post mm-hmm. and make more money. They just want to make sure you're kind of like a stand-up person and yeah, they, they just want to make, scammer. Yeah, it's, it's all about building a reputation. And they just want to make sure that you are on the up and up. <clears throat> pa- PayPal may also have restrictions for new sellers. And mm-hmm. PayPal is kind of like the de facto payment um, system. There is also eBay managed payments. Um, that's a topic for a whole other day. But chances are, if you're a newbie, you're going to start off um, taking PayPal as mm-hmm. your payment system. And they may, when you get started, PayPal may restrict um, how quickly they release your funds to mm-hmm. your bank account. Mm-hmm. So those those are little hurdles that you have to go through. What else do you need to know to get started on eBay? Um, descriptions are very important. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Headlines, the the headline's not the right word. Description. Well, like the the main description. The title. The title, thank you. The title. The title is very important. Um, you need to think about keywords, like search keywords, just like you would, you know, if you had a website and you were like 
working on SEO, search mm-hmm. engine optimization. Same same kind of um, practice here. You need to think about keywords. Put in the the brand. The brand um, brand is always important. If it's clothing, you know you want to make sure you put the size in there, whether it's men's or women's, mm-hmm. the color. Um, if there is a style number, a lot of times, like if you're selling shoes, if you're selling, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Adidas tennis shoes or something like that, they will have like a model number mm-hmm. in the um, tongue of the shoe. So stuff like that. I mean, really, you want to be as as they don't give you a whole lot of characters to work with in the title, but you need to be as descriptive in the title as you possibly can, mm-hmm. and and really hit all the major keywords. Recently, I saw online um, a new person to eBay. She had just started a store. She had been going for a month and had zero sales. And she asked if I would like look at her store and kind of evaluate it. And I looked and her titles were very minimal. Um, her photos were very minimal. She only took one photo per item. Um, she missed all her keywords. She tended not to have brands, mention the brands and stuff. I mean, it was, it was kind of a mess. So those are all the things that you really want to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. Um, eBay. When you list something, they have all these little extra fields to fill mm-hmm. in. So yeah. these fields will be, will be things like UPC code, and they'll have a field for it. Just it just depends on what the item is. They mm-hmm. may have a field for um, model number. They may have a field for style. They may have if it's like memorabilia or a collectible. They may have a field for like the name of the character, they'll color, have, pattern. Yeah. Um, a lot of people kind of gloss over those or they ignore them. It does take a lot of time to fill those out. I would say, especially if you're new getting started, I would fill out as much of that information mm-hmm. as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, good photos. Oh, my gosh, yes. Photos are, I mean, in my book, photos may be like the most important thing. They're definitely one of the most important things. And photos are, as far as I'm concerned, they're part of the description. And I actually mm-hmm. mentioned that yep. when we list something. I mentioned, I say, the, please look at the photos as they are part of the description. Yep. And I take photos from every angle. Um, we, we use like studio lighting. You don't necessarily have to use studio lighting. We do. If you're just getting started, you know, use your phone camera. Um, the one thing that I try to do, if at all possible, is avoid using a flash. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is that flash, using a camera flash tends to blow out the color. Right. And I'm, I always want to go for the most accurate color I can. Especially on clothing. Especially on clothing. I've, we mentioned this before in a previous podcast. But I take I take clothing photos very seriously because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that when somebody looks at it online, that there's you know if it's a green dress, it actually looks like a green dress. Right, right. I think I think the example I used the last time was that meme that was going around on the internet a couple is of years it, ago is with it the dress. Whether the you know where people were trying to figure out whether a dress in the picture was gold or whether it was, it was blue. Blue, yeah. You know, you don't want that to happen. So, I mean, Dave will literally take. 20 pictures sometimes way too sometimes, many but, sometimes yeah. way too many but um, you I've, know, to I've, get the best what is it? how many photos can do you get you get a dozen photos yeah to get so, the best 12 photos yeah and I, you know i don't always post 12 photos and everything and it doesn't always Mm-mm. you know i don't always take a whole bunch of pictures of everything but i i do tend to err on the side of caution when it comes to clothes well, and especially too if there's any kind of flaw yeah. Make sure you get... Yeah, that that is another piece of advice I would give for somebody starting out on eBay is if you have something and it has a flaw, don't gloss over it. Mm-hmm. Be honest about it. Include it in the description. Take a photo of it. Don't try to hide it. It won't do you any good. No, it'll You're just, just come asking back for trouble. to bite you later. Yeah, it will just come back to bite you later. 
So again, um, good photos. You don't have to spend a lot of money. A lot of times your camera phone will do the trick. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, set up outside. If you have like a, a patio or whatever, you can set up outside. Natural sunlight is always the best light. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing to kind of decide is you have options for doing returns. You have options for whether you want to ship internationally and if, if you do ship internationally, how you want to do it. And you also have options for um, shipping, whether you want to do free shipping or whether you want to charge for shipping and whether you want to do a flat rate. So those are all things as a new seller that you kind of have to And it's funny because I know people who only do free shipping and this is a source of a lot of controversy. You know, I, I we belong to a lot of um, Facebook groups Rese- for reselling. Mm-hmm. And this topic comes up every day. You know, it does. should it I charge does. for shipping? Should I do free shipping? Should I allow returns or should I not allow returns? Yeah. The, those questions get asked every day, sometimes 10 times a day from new people. And, um, you know, my answer is just my opinion. And there's mm-hmm. go- and there are going to be as many a- answers as there are opinions on this topic. Yep. We tend to um, be kind of restrictive about returns because we are very descriptive of what we offer. Yep. My philosophy is that a lot of the stuff we sell is not commodity kind of stuff. You know, we're not selling Bluetooth speakers and we're not selling, you know, I mean, we do sell like, you know, I think we mentioned earlier, you know, we had a bunch of toner cartridges and stuff like that. That's more rare for us. We sell a lot of, you know, collectibles and vintage clothes and stuff like that. And it's the kind of stuff that you would buy at a garage sale or a flea market. And my philosophy is that I would never go to a garage sale, buy something, and then expect to come back 10 days later and return it. That's what eBay is. It's kind of like a reselling market. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is a tough one. I for people who do, for people who allow like unlimited returns, mm-hmm. you know, like f- they people do like free returns for thirty days and stuff like that. I totally get it. I totally get your reason behind it. I don't fault you for it. You do you. I am I am behind you one hundred percent. But for the kind of things that we sell, um, I am disinclined to go that route. And it works out fine for us. We sell plenty. It works out fine for us. But if we do make a mistake, and we have made mistakes before, we own up to it, and we absolutely take returns when we when we screw something up. Yeah. So if if we mm-hmm. get an item that's not as described, I mean, eBay typically, you know, if 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 you truly sell something that and you didn't describe it correctly, or you miss a flaw or whatever, eBay is going to side with the buyer anyway. So you might as well just take care. So of you it. might as well just take care of it. But it's just good customer service. So here's a question. So some people say that you lose sales if people go to your store and they see no returns. I when I am shopping on eBay, I never look to see if somebody takes I don't returns. I don't either. I never pay attention. I think that the only people that say that are other sellers, and I think that they only say that because they pay attention. They do look, you know. Uh-huh. But I think the average person doesn't even doesn't even pay attention to that at all. Huh. Which is why I don't really worry about it. Um Oh, and like I was saying too, you know, you have to list whether it's new or used. Or used. Yeah, that's that's another field when you're listing something on eBay. That's another field you run into is, um, and we're kind of glossing over this stuff again. This this is kind of a a, um, a quick start guide, but I would call a quick start guide to selling on eBay. Uh, there's a it's very involved. There's a lot to all this. You know, there's definitely a learning curve. And so we could we could do a whole topic or a whole podcast just on mm-hmm. on any single one of these these kind of things. But 
that's another field that you see when you list something on eBay is, is this thing used? Is it new? Is it new in box? Is it open box? And again, um, the options you pick will depend on what kind of an item it is. Right. If you list something as vintage, um, eBay knows that it's not, you know, new in box or whatever. So you, you don't get the same choices as if you list, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like a replacement part for a, a car or something like that. Right. Know? So anyway, so that's another decision you have to make is, is this thing new or is it used? And um, you also have the opportunity if there's at that point to describe any, you know, like mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's an open box and there's something missing or something. If, if there's, if you're selling something like a, a piece of like a vintage electronics, you can, and it doesn't work. You can say this thing is for parts. You know, mm-hmm. So you can say it's used and it's for parts and it's not working. Right. I always say excellent use, clean condition. When well, I'm, you know, uh, if it is. If it, well, I mean, not <laughs> most of the clothing. I know. Right. I, well, I know it's clean because I wash it all and and defuzz it and iron it and mend it. And that's another thing that came up this week. I saw was people were um, uh, debating on, on whether they cleaned the clothes. Yeah, on whether to wash clothes or not. Um, there are large sellers who who have a huge volume. And most of, the, of those kind of sellers say that they don't bother washing clothes because they they just have too many. And I totally get that. Yeah. We go ahead and wash clothes. We don't do a huge volume in clothes. Mm-hmm. And so we go ahead and wash them to make sure they're clean before we send them out. And until we start doing a huge volume of clothes, I think we'll stick with that policy. Yeah. But I totally, you know, again, I totally get it. If you're, if you're selling, you know, if you have like a thousand things in your store and you're selling you know, five or six pieces of clothing a day, I can totally get not yeah. being able to, not even being able to wash all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times when people donate something to a thrift store, they took it out of their closet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's already been washed. They took it out of their closet and they donate it. So it's not like, you know, you're s- selling dirty things or whatever. But still, we like things to be nice and fresh and make sure there's no stains or whatever. So we, right. we at least for now, we tend to wash stuff before we sell it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we'll always do that as our stro- as our store grows and gets bigger. We maybe we won't. I don't know. And there was something we had one of our clothing pieces. I washed it, laundered it, and it still had a little odor. So when I bagged it up, I cut a little piece of dryer sheet mm-hmm. and dropped it in there so it'll smell good. We get this, you know, uh, we've seen a question come up about batteries. Like if something is electronic, do you ship it with batteries or not? Mm-hmm. And you know what? Um, what I do is, what I've been doing lately is, is if something takes bat, we, we have a whole tub of cheap dollar store batteries mm-hmm. that I use to test things with. And so when I test something, I'll, I'm always kind of worried about leaving batteries in something because you never know what somebody's going to take some, something that they buy and they're just going to like put it aside and maybe not do anything with it for a while, and I don't want the batteries to leak, right? Right. So what I'll do is lately I've just, I've been putting the batteries like if it's like double A's, I put them in a little baggie and I attach that to the, to mm-hmm. the item, put it in the in the box, and I ship it with the batteries, but not inside. Mm-hmm. And I've done that for for several things lately. So because you know I think it's a nice touch, and it doesn't cost hardly anything. I, you can get batteries super cheap from the dollar store, big big things of batteries, really mm-hmm. cheap. So it doesn't really cost that much. I think it's a nice touch. I don't know that I'll always do it. Uh, again, if we if our store ramps up really big, I could see that not being a viable thing. But it is something that I do right now as kind of like a, an extra, you know, customer service touch. Right. Um, shipping. Mm-hmm. So you have to make a decision on how you want to handle shipping. 
And this is, first off, you have to decide what you want to do about shipping internationally. Um, if you're unfamiliar with eBay, eBay has what's called the Global Shipping Program. And basically what it is is uh, you offer something for sale internationally. You can make that choice when you list something. And somebody from another country wants to buy it. eBay handles you know that transa- that part of the transaction. As so let's say you, I sold something to, you know to to somebody who lived in Brazil recently. I think it was like last week. Mm-hmm. I sold something that went to Brazil, and so that person paid a fee to eBay to have the item shipped from the United States to Brazil. My end of that transaction was I ship it to a place in Kentucky, mm-hmm. so it goes to like a, a way station in Kentucky, Erlanger. In, yeah, Erlanger, and eBay kind of takes it from there. Mm-hmm. So I I never actually see. You know, that part of the transaction, I don't know how much that person got charged for that part of the transaction or anything because eBay takes care of it. So it's kind of nice. Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of larger sellers, they don't care for the global shipping program because um, it is costly for the buyer. And so there is a concern that, you know, buyers are going to be kind of scared away by the cost and they won't want you know, to, because it, it costs more to ship through the global shipping program than maybe it would if you just did it yourself, if you arranged for shipping yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We've sold quite a few things internationally. It hasn't seemed to slow us down. But then again, we haven't tried not using the global shipping program. Right. So I, I don't know. I do know that eBay is working on another program that's going to replace the global shipping program. And that will be a more hands-on thing for sellers, and you and you will be part of the transaction. It's, this is going to mesh with um, eBay managed payments. Mm-hmm. So uh, right this moment, as you're listening to this, when this podcast comes out, neither that nor managed payments are going to be something you're going to be concerned with as a newbie because I don't think they are rolling those out to new people right now. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that managed payments is going to be – global or mandatory for everyone until probably the end of this year, I think is mm-hmm. what's going to happen. So, yeah. so nothing to worry about yet, but so that's, that's the decision you have to make is if you want to get into the global shipping program and ship internationally, or you can not ship internationally at all and you can only, and then you can just sell things just to North America. Mm-hmm. So totally up to you. The other decision you have to make is um, whether you want to do free shipping or whether you want to have the customer pay a flat rate for shipping or whether you want to have the shipping calculated. You can do that either, you know, globally for everything you list or you can do it on an item by item basis. Which is how we tend to do it. Which is how we tend to do it. Again, we we don't have a lot of one ofs. Yeah, our volume is such that we can just kind of do this on an item by item basis as Mm -hmm. we list. Mm Mm-hmm. So my kind of rule of thumb is that if something is weighs more than a pound and it can't ship first class, I tend to do calculated shipping. Mm-hmm. If it weighs less than a pound and it will ship first class, then I do free shipping. Yeah. Because first class is pretty cheap. Right. So that's my general rule of thumb. I know a lot of people swear by free shipping. Um, a lot of people are of the mindset that f- doing free shipping is the only way you can compete with Amazon. Blah, 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 blah. I know. It's funny that we're we're actually starting our, what, our fourth month doing this, you know, at this volume. And you're even tweaking our our processing in that after we photograph it, now you're weighing it. Yeah. <laughs> which threw me off completely. Yeah. So we are always evaluating our processes and always looking for ways to streamline things and make things go a little bit quicker. Touch- and 
things as minimally as possible. You're right. Touch things as minimally as possible, you know, and get them processed and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. So one of the things that we've kind of started doing just recently is as we're photographing stuff, as we're processing it, we also weigh it so we can, on our spreadsheet, we can um, d- determine how we're going to set up shipping. If it's something that is over a pound and not very big, you know, I'm, I may just kind of come up with a flat rate number that I think will cover most situations. Um, we've mentioned before that we're in the Midwest and California is kind of like the bane of our existence. Mm-hmm. Um, shipping wise, we love California sales wise because we sell a lot of stuff to California. Do, do, I, they don't have stores. They must not have stores because we sell a lot of stuff. We love you, California. Mm-hmm. Keep buying from us. Right. But shipping is crazy expensive. Yeah. So we tend to... You know, if we do flat rate shipping, we tend to, um, you know, kind of calculate what the farthest is that something might ship or what the most expensive shipping option might end up being. I think we always use 90210 because yeah. that's the only California zip code we know. Right. Yeah. Whenever, whenever <laughs> I, whenever I come up with like a, like a baseline, you know, shipping amount for an item, I always use 90210 as the, um, as the zip code because it's the only one I really know. And then I use that kind of as a, as a baseline for determining, you know, um, like a flat rate for, for shipping a particular item. Yeah. Um, a lot of people swear by doing free shipping. Yeah. They claim that if you don't do free shipping, it hurts you in the search results or that people won't buy from you. I've not found that at all. And, well, it may or may not be true. Again, I feel like given the nature of some of the stuff we sell, we're kind of, you know, at least up until now, we've been kind of immune from that. Mm-hmm. Up, in, up until we started really doing this, you know, kind of like full-time, part-time, we mostly sold collectibles. We mm-hmm. sold rare stuff and collectibles. And that kind of stuff is immune from all these these rules. Because right. if somebody wants a collectible, they want it. It doesn't matter if you charge shipping or not charge shipping or... If it's the one that they if, need if, to complete their collection, by God, they will they, buy it. They will buy it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we've always been immune to these silly things. Mm-hmm. And we've never had to worry about it until now. Because now we sell a variety of stuff. We right. Our motto is we sell everything under the sun. Yeah. If it's worth money, we'll sell it. Right. So now we have to pay attention to this, these kind of things a little bit more, but I, so far our rules of thumb have worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's just something you kind of have to figure out for yourself as you're doing this. Sometimes I will, like, even if I know the shipping that I put in is not going to cover the complete shipping. It's just a little bit of a discount. Right. If I'm, as long as I'm making enough money, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the, uh, cause you might ask, you know, why would I even do flat rate? Well, the reason is because calculated shipping might turn somebody off, but if you're willing to be a little bit flexible price wise, you know, then you could do flat rate shipping and, you know, maybe it, a lot of times what happens with flat rate is, that depending on where somebody is in relationship to you geographically, maybe you come out ahead and maybe you, you know, lose a little bit on the shipping front, but as long as you're making money overall, then you're, Mm -hmm. you're happy. You're okay. Yeah. So, you know, you know, we're in Indiana and if we ship something to Tennessee and we choose and we have flat rate shipping, maybe we actually make a couple bucks on the shipping. Mm -hmm. If we ship it to California, you know, maybe it costs us a little bit extra. Maybe it costs a couple bucks extra. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's how we kind of look at flat rate shipping is, you know, mm-hmm. it, it all averages out in the end. You win some and you lose some and it all averages out in the end. Right. 
And then on bigger things, especially bigger things, then we do calculated shipping. And there are multiple options um, available right now. eBay just did an, made an agreement with FedEx, and we have discovered that FedEx Home is a really good option for for like larger, heavier things. They've had some really good rates on there for some some of our bigger stuff. Yeah, so I've, I've been pretty happy with that. I've managed to ship some some really big things lately that um, I saved. You know, it was like half as much as what um, USPS Priority Mail would have been. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been really good. So yeah, I I hope all that made sense on on the shipping thing. It's it's kind of confusing, and if you're new to eBay, it can be intimidating. And you, like I said, you just kind of have to get in there and, and mm-hmm. work with it and see what works best for you. Right. With calculated shipping, what happens is when you list something, you have to know how much it weighs. You have to know the dimensions of the box. So when we do our processing, we like like I said, we go ahead and we weigh something. To see mm-hmm. what it weighs, then we add that to our spreadsheet so that when we actually list it, we we know what we, what we need to plug in. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, when I weigh something, I kind of guesstimate how much the box and the packing material is going to weigh. Yeah. You know, so if it's like a two-pound item, I may add like another eight ounces or whatever just to cover box and packing material. Yeah. Which reminds me that there are two things that you should add on your list uh, to buy when you're getting started selling on eBay. And one of those things would be a postal scale, of course, which you can grab on eBay really cheap. We I think we paid like $25 for ours. And then also some way to print labels. So um, I would recommend if you've got an inkjet printer, you can just totally use an inkjet printer um, at least to get started. And you can buy labels, 4 by 6 shipping labels that you can print on an inkjet printer. We recently just upgraded to a thermal printer, which is uh, more expensive. Um, at least the printer part is more expensive. And then you just buy, you know, um, labels in bulk, thermal labels in bulk, um, big rolls of them. And there's no ink or anything, which makes it nice and convenient. Um, I think on the low end, those run about 100 bucks up to like, you know, 160 or so. Yeah, and so those are two things that you want to have on your list um, to buy when you're getting started selling on eBay. A scale and some way to print labels. So let's see. Anything else I can think of that would be helpful for a newbie on eBay? We've covered – so far we've covered shipping. We've covered returns. returns, We've covered descriptions and listings. I will say with descriptions, if you're selling clothing, um, I don't buy clothing on eBay unless – the description includes the measurements. Yes, very important. If you're listing clothes on eBay, size doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, when we first started selling clothes, one of the very first thing that things that happened was we had somebody say, you know, um, I bought this. It said extra large, but it's actually it actually doesn't fit, and they wanted to return it, so we had to re- we had to do a return, and that's because you know. Um, Depending on where something is made, whether it's made in China or whether it's made in the UK or whether it's made here in the US, sizing isn't always consistent. Yeah. So I always, always measure clothing. Um, I measure, you know, the bust area, waist, inseam, front rise, back rise. Um, Because, I mean, I know my measurements and I know looking at measurements if clothes are going to fit me. So I, I, I think it's a very helpful part of the description yeah so if this is a, a one of the ways that we kind of minimize um returns, returns is yeah. that we're, we're very descriptive on clothes again for people who do you know large volume selling um it's kind of like a, a that could be a drag on time you know yeah, it could and i guess that's something if we 
about how much of our inventory is clothing? A I'd third? say right now, half or a third, third yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. And that's pretty much where it's remained consistently. But yeah. if it, Here's the thing about clothes is that um, they are time intensive on, on the, the front, front end, end, but they're really easy on the back end. And what I mean by that is the, the front end is like processing it. So, you know, photographing it and taking the measurements and all that kind of stuff is very time intensive for clothes. But then when it goes to shipping, a lot of times it goes in a poly bag. It's super easy to ship. Mm-hmm. And yeah. usually, and usually super cheap. Yeah. So that's the advantage of clothes. The, sh- the on on the shipping end, clothes are great, but mm-hmm. on the on the processing end, they're kind of a pain. Yep. Agreed. We have a whole rack in there waiting to be photographed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite. <laughs> okay, so um, um, the last is oh our experience with Poshmark, Etsy, Macari. Right. So is eBay the best platform still for selling? And, hmm, I mean. Well, we are on Poshmark. We're on Poshmark. We have an Etsy store that we actually haven't put anything in yet. I I used to have an Etsy store um, for handmade stuff that I was Mm -hmm. doing a few years ago. And I still have a bunch of leftover handmade stuff that I could put in a store. We just And we hope to open. And I, I attempted to. And there were 500 questions um, just to list this one thing. So I was like, oh, Dave needs to, to do this. So I <laughs> trashed the idea. So so our Etsy store is still pending. It's still uh-huh. um, hanging out there. But we've been selling on Poshmark. We've been selling on Mercari. We've been selling on the Facebook Marketplace. Um, out of all those things, we still have the best luck with, with, eBay, with eBay by far. Yeah. Now, Poshmark takes a lot of work. Poshmark, t- it does because it's a social thing. You have to get on there every day. I know uh, people who get on there every hour and share their closet, share their closet, share their closet. I don't have that time uh, of an evening when we're kind of sitting down. I'll do a little bit of it. But if Poshmark was the only thing we did, you know, then maybe. Maybe. And I think we've been on there just as long as we, I mean, we've been doing this three and a half months and we have sold two things. Yeah. And we've got, and and I would say like the quality of the stuff that we have for sale on Poshmark is definitely comparable to what anybody absolutely. else. We've got a lot of like, you know, high end vintage stuff. Mm-hmm. We got some Ferragamos. We got some vintage Calvin Klein. Um, we've got Doc Martens. We've got, I mean, you know, we've got nice stuff. I mean, it's comparable. But it is moving slow. Yeah. So, so. that's our experience with Poshmark. I, I know other people are doing great on Poshmark, but I, mm-hmm. I feel like the ones that are doing really great are the people who um are selling primarily on Poshmark and maybe eBay is like their secondary thing. Right. You know, so they're putting all their time in Poshmark. Um, as for Mercari, I experimented with that for about a month, uh-huh. and it went okay. It wasn't fantastic, but it went okay. It doesn't take anywhere near as much uh, work as Poshmark. Um, in fact, Mercari is very easy. It's kind of like the Wild West. It re- Mercari reminds <laughs> me of what eBay was like, you know, 20 years the ago. Wild West. It is. Like, you know, Mercari's like, yeah, just take a picture with your phone, throw it up there. We don't care. I love it. You just know? slap it up there. And also, just like eBay 20 years ago, is like, yeah, we'll pay you in a couple of days. You'll get your money soon. Promise. Yeah. And so you just kind of have to. Um, yeah. So the way Mercari works is, if you're not familiar, if you haven't started using it yet, Mercari um, is an app. It's a phone app. And you take a picture with your phone and you write a quick description. Um, 
kind of like the opposite of eBay. I think the the quicker you more, more brief you can write a description yeah. on Mercari, probably the better. That's how Poshmark is. And it takes about literally like two minutes to list something with Mercari. It's very quick and mm-hmm. it's very easy. And they, um, a lot of the stuff on Mercari is automated. So like they'll say, here's, here's kind of like the price that this typically goes for. You should price it this much. And oh, by the way, if it doesn't sell in a week, do you want us to drop the price for you? And do you want us to keep dropping it until it finally sells? Mm-hmm. They have all this stuff like built in. And so that, that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, and then the shipping is really easy. Basically, like, they handle the shipping for you, and when something sells, they send you a label, and you just print it out. You don't even, you don't even have to, like, you know, do anything. They, just, they already take care of it for you. So super easy. Um, the only thing I ran into with Mercari, two things. One is that they just simply don't have the volume of people that eBay has. So mm-hmm. you, when you list something, it doesn't get anywhere near as many eyes. Mm-hmm. as it does on eBay. And so that's kind of a bummer, especially if you sell the kind of st- a lot of the kind of stuff that I have, you know, that's mm-hmm. like a lot of the collectible kind of stuff. Um, I imagine things like clothes probably do pretty good on Mercari. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, so I sold a few things, but nothing moved really fast. And getting paid also takes a little while. There's a couple options for getting paid, and you can have something... If you give them a like a debit card, um, they can direct deposit and it goes in instantly, but they charge a fee for it. Or you can do like a bank transfer kind of thing and then you get the money like in three or four days mm-hmm. and it transfers to your bank account. And I don't think they charge a fee. I think that's how it works. Mm-hmm. I only sold a couple things, so I, I'm kind of fuzzy on how all that worked. Because basically, I didn't even... The other thing you can do, the third way you can get paid is, basically, Mercari will just give you credit. So you sell something. Let's say you sell, sell something for 20 bucks. Mercari can be like, well, if you just wanted us to hang on to this money, then you can buy something See, else. that's how Poshmark got me. <laughs> well, that's you know, how Mercari made... got me, too. Because <laughs> I, I ended up taking that money, and I spent it. I know. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I have this money here, so then I'll just use it on Poshmark. It's kind of genius on their part, because they make you, like, jump through hoops to get paid. Or you can be like, you know, hey, you can just, like, spend it right now. Find something yeah. cool and spend it. And that's what I did. I just, like, spend it instead of, Me you know. too. So. And then, let's But, see. you know, I, I would not discount Mercari. I think that... um I, I expect it to really grow. It's so much easier than like Poshmark mm-hmm. and it's so much easier than eBay. And I think the only thing holding it back is um, adoption. Mm-hmm. So right now it's, it's still, you know, kind of mm-hmm. in its early stages. And I don't think enough people are using it for it to be like a really like a power seller platform. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine there are too many people doing like a thousand dollars a week no, or two thousand dollars a week on Mercari. Mm-hmm. There may be some, but I, I, and like there are some I've heard people mention Bonanza. Yeah, Bonanza. We haven't tried that yet. It's on my list of things to look into. And then a lot of people do the um, FBA through Amazon. Yes. Also, something that um, we probably are not going to experiment with. Um, I um, I'm involved in lots of stuff, including independent filmmaking, and I've been involved with some independent films that we have marketed on Facebook, on, on, I'm sorry, on Amazon. And um, long story short, those experiences were not positive, and I'm not inclined to like open up a business on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, the, fulfilled by Amazon is where <coughs> you send it to Amazon, they store it, 
enlist it. It sells. They ship it. And then eventually they pay you. And eventually they pay you when they feel like it. I don't think it's really quick, though. So, I don't know. We can't sp- know. again. We can't speak with authority on on doing that because we haven't done it. Like, we, I mean, this is this is part time for us. So, I mean, we have to go where you know we're, we're getting the most bang for our buck. I mean, and- for us, we're we've been like I said, we've been using eBay for a long time. We're really comfortable with it, so it, it kind of makes sense for us. But I feel like of all the things we tried between. Um, you know, Poshmark and Mercari and also Facebook Marketplace. I, uh, that was the other thing on my list mm-hmm. to mention. A lot of people, you know, are making money off Facebook Marketplace. And I would say that being successful on the Facebook Marketplace, both either as a source of stuff to resell or as a venue for selling, I think really depends on where you live. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where we live, Facebook Marketplace, not so great. Not for not for selling and not for reselling. Mm-mm. Or no. I'm sorry, not not for sourcing and not for reselling. No, I don't find very many deals on the Facebook Marketplace where we live. Um, and when we sell stuff on Facebook Marketplace, it's always slow going. And it, it, I think it really depends, you know, because some people are like, "Oh yeah, you got to do Facebook Marketplace. You got to do it." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, it just depends well, on where it depends on where you are." I think for us, the better option to Facebook marketplaces is just the booth at the antique mall. Yeah. That's, that's been our, um, cause the basement at where, well, where your booth is, is like the wild west. Yeah. In that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, we have a booth in an antique mall and that's our, you know, that's what we use in place of like selling something on the Facebook marketplace. We use our, our booth and this is, you know, I think um, when people think of an antique mall, they have like a certain, you know, idea in their head of what an antique mall looks like. This particular one has got a basement where all the, the cool kitschy stuff is. And that's where I am. Where the cool kids are. Where the cool kids are. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with the cool kids. And um, it's all the vinyl albums, vintage retro clothes. Yeah. You know, collectible, collectible and vintage toys and stuff like that. The stuff that I'm into. Mm-hmm. So. That's kind of like our brick and mortar outlet for stuff, mm-hmm. and that's what we use instead of the Facebook Marketplace, right? Because, like I said, around here it's just not that great. Yeah. So yeah, I think that out of all the things that we've tried selling platforms that we've tried recently, I, I would say Mercari probably has the most promise, um, and all, all it needs is just more people. It just needs more sellers and more buyers. Mm-hmm. But I think it will be good competition for eBay probably at some point, right? And we're going to keep it in our portfolio of of places to sell yeah i'll keep i'll keep coming back to it yeah and every now and then maybe just might be a perfect market for something and yeah we'll throw it up there that's the other thing is that um some things sell can sell on some platforms better than others i would imagine right it's not necessarily been our experience yet but i i I can see that being a thing Mm -hmm. okay well I believe that is all we've got for this week. It is. Hopefully this was informative. Hopefully this was helpful. If you have any questions about selling on eBay, about sourcing for stuff to sell on eBay, or I don't know. Yeah, anything at all. Anything at all. Just ask us anything. Uh, your love life? Yeah, oh we've my got gosh. It. We've got advice for you. Back up the truck. <laughs> anything. Ask us anything. No, but if you are seriously getting started... And you're finding eBay's intimidating. Shoot us an email, or we can arrange a phone call, or I don't. We're just happy to help. So just let absolutely. us know. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, if you want to email us, 
We should give you that address again. It is Jupiter Jane, J A Y N E, Jupiter Jane 66 at gmail.com. Yep. Our web address is www.jupiterjane, J A Y N E, jupiterjane.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check out all our social on there. We're trying to, I've been trying to do better with our Instagram mm-hmm. these last couple of days. Um, I saw you posted the Easter Bunny guy. Was he on a giant rabbit? Yeah, it was like a like a it was like a manic a Mexican mannequin on a, a giant, giant rabbit. rabbit. Yeah. yeah. Um if you if you go to our Instagram, I'm gonna start this thing called Weird Wednesdays. We I, I have a whole photo album of all these weird things that we've seen at flea markets, stuff you just would never imagine. And so I've got a whole album of, of all this stuff. And so I'm, I'm creating Weird Wednesdays on our Instagram. And every Wednesday is going to be a different photo of something weird we've seen at, uh, at And a we've flea seen the weird. We've seen the weird, man. I'm going to bring the weird. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so so keep, out, keep an eye out for that. Like, uh, Go, go uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. I think those are our only two social things right now. They are. Yeah, that's all. On our, that's all we have in our social schedule. So it has been fun. Again, I hope it was informative. I hope that when I edit this, it all makes sense. <laughs> um, I know it's kind of, again. If you're a beginner, I know it's complicated. If you've been doing this for a while, this is all old hat for you. You, you already know all this stuff. Right. But I hope it was informative anyway. So this has been David and Libby, and this is Jupiter Jane. Actually, this is Trash to Treasure with Jupiter Jane. And until next time, uh, we, we're, we're trying to do this podcast every other week. And it's been hard lately because mm-hmm. we've been so busy ramping our store up. But look for us every other week, and we're going to do our best to make sure it happens. We're going to do our best. I promise. Sounds good. So until next time, guys. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.